Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Every five minutes, someone dies while waiting for a compatible donor heart, liver, or kidney. On a remote island in Lake Superior, a team of geneticists strive to engineer an animal with human-compatible organs, thereby saving millions of lives. But these ancestors are not the docile herd animals they envision. Instead, the project spawns something big, something evil, something hungry. Ancestor by number one New York Times bestselling novelist Scott Sigler is available for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey everybody, welcome back to another behind-the-scenes episode for the Patron Saint of Suicides. Um, and once again, obviously, it's uh, myself, Vince, and Alex on here. This will be our third and final behind-the-scenes episode for these. Hi everybody, thanks for joining us. Yeah, we wanted to kind of talk about the production of the show, the behind-the-scenes stuff. Talking to the crew that made the music, put the sound effects together, and made everything sound fantastic. People already know us, so go for it. My name is Chroma, and I am the line and layout producer, editor, whatever you want to call it. Our titles are fluid here. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Doc? Uh, My name is Eric Howell. I am the audio engineer mixer of Audium, and I was really happy to be a part of this project. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) And if you hear us refer to someone as Doc throughout this, that's him, because he is the podcast doctor. Yeah, you know, I'm a pharmacy tech, you know, by days. Uh, I know Doc and Chroma have some stories they want to share, but uh, there's a bunch of stuff that, you know, we've worked on together. Kind of bring you up to speed on the magic of the layout, really what makes it sound so good and what makes it work. So I think the first thing that I had wanted to talk about that was like one of the very first things that we were super excited about from the beginning uh, was the train sounds for these. Obviously, the show is set in California, and so, Doc, you found an actual, like, sound pack for trains from a, a local train yard around there, right? Yeah, it was uh, the actual train yard in Oakland, and I mm-hmm. uh, really excited to find that because it was, you know, bring some realism to the audio. That was pretty cool. I remember um, sending it to Alex, like, a, it was one of the first things that we talked about for the layout. I was like, oh, yeah, and our audio engineer found... Um, you know, train sounds from the actual train yard around there. For people who who didn't actually listen to the season and have just tuned into the bonus episodes, there's a train shootout. And uh, the train shootout happens in a, a line in, around San Francisco called BART. And the thing about BART cars is they, they don't sound like other trains. It's this unique sound. And it would have worked if it was just a normal train sound, but the, just the idea that particular squeal of, of the BART car pulling into the station it doesn't there's nothing else that actually sounds like it so the fact that doc that you you found that is just completely brings this to life <laughs> doc can you talk about how you constructed the the train shootout it uh it it took 
several, it probably took, I don't know, over a month <laughs> of just working on that one scene to get the feel right. Mm -hmm. um, because it can, you put too much and it starts sounding kind of busy and, you know, you do too little and it doesn't really get the full effect. So it's kind of like a, it just kind of slowly builds. And um, yeah, there's like 10 layers of gun, just gun sounds. Like there's the the shooting, the the cocking of the guns, the bullet casings falling, the the bullets hitting the windows, the <laughs> bullets hitting the side of the train door. Just as much as we could do, we threw it in there. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's a really exciting scene, and it, it took a really long time to get it right. <laughs> yeah, but it still sounds really clean, like you said. And one of the one of the uh, so that that scene gets called back so many times and gets told in a lot of different ways and kind of a Rashomon kind of way um, throughout the the season. And one of the the things that you did I really loved is I think um, the main character Haven is kind of retelling her version of this and when she's kind of on the ground in the middle of the gunfire like over her narration you can kind of start to hear a little bit of that tinnitus creep in in the background and I remember thinking that was just a great touch. Was that episode two? That's probably my favorite scene in just the whole series. So this past 4th of July I went to uh to, to go buy some fireworks and there's these two guys kind of arguing in the background and one of the guys pulls out a gun and like points it at the guy's head and of course I'd start freaking out and I'd take off running and uh it was that same kind of feeling it was like it was happening really fast and really slow at the same time and I, that's kind of the vibe I wanted to have for that was uh it's all happening at once it's like this I don't even know how to explain it it's just this terrifying moment of surrealism <laughs> yeah on a lighter note <laughs> i think uh we, i remember talking to uh both you guys uh chroma and doc about the the tinnitus thing i was like how do we even make one of these you know yeah you can create them and i remember looking everywhere and i was just like no that's not the right one that's not the right one and i think you found the final one right doc yeah i think yeah i think we went through quite a few <laughs> to get the right one <laughs> <laughs> it's surprising how many uh, different like high-pitched squeaks there are. Yeah, because some of them are, are overbearing. <laughs> oh, uh, one of my favorite stories also, not necessarily about this episode, but Doc, you, you people aren't going to really get the full effect for like uh, how amazing you are at this audio kind of stuff until they know your story about, you know, like being anxious when you go to buy things to make Foley sound effects. Oh gosh! <laughs> so can you please elaborate? Yeah, uh, just for example, uh, like I had to make some um, some teeth grinding noises for a different thing we were working on, and uh, so I had to go to the store and and I, I was looking all I was walking all over looking for something for the perfect sound, and I ended up finding some uh, some pork grinds, <laughs> and I bought those, and then I walk over to I had to get some chain sounds, and I found this guy and that worked there. It was, it was at like Lowe's. And I got him to cut me like a one foot piece of chain. <laughs> it was just so awkward because I'm just standing there while he's cutting this one foot piece of chain for me so I can make this <laughs> one chain sound. And it's, it's just like every every couple of days I go to the store to like buy some random thing. <laughs> yep. And you said uh, you're worried that people are just like, what the hell is he buying? And it's like, in yeah. reality, he's just making sound effects. <laughs> yeah, I got pork rinds and one foot of chain. Yep. He's doing something weird. <laughs> Um, you've been through it all though. I mean, you stuck your arm in the toilet for the other project we we're working on. You poured, uh, what was that leftover 
mashed potatoes and soup or something into a bucket. Yeah, it was leftover Thanksgiving turkey. Yeah, that's what it was. Um, what other sound effects did you make for this one specifically? Uh, well, it's not just uh, specific to this, but it's actually kind of become our signature sound. <laughs> <laughs> so there's this, like, we call it the scuttle sound. It's the, so- it's the sound of, like, feet kind of shuffling all over and kind of fighting. And we try to put that in every single one of our uh, shows that we work on, but it's actually me and my pregnant wife fighting in the garage. I mean, she was in on it. Like we weren't fighting. You know, it's like I was trying to be a jerk. Like we were. She was in on it. <laughs> but yeah, it's just kind. Of, it's kind of become our little thing that we throw in. <laughs> but it was used a lot in this series, like several times. <laughs> do you wear specific shoes, or do you mic? Do you like mic the ground in a different way? Well, it's kind of funny because. I wanted the sound of boots in there, but I actually don't own any boots. So uh, my wife wore boots. And so she's playing like the dominant role. <laughs> <laughs> so you got attacked by your wife. We'll, we'll restate Yeah, it. actually, yeah, my pregnant wife attacked me. That's, that's <laughs> one I like And you have it on tape, too. That's the important part. You were forced to defend yourself with uh, a link of chain and some pork rides. Oh, no. This <laughs> exactly. is just getting, getting worse and worse. But, yeah, that sound has become like our, our Wilhelm scream. You guys yeah. know that? Yep. I don't. You know. Know. I know. Chroma, can you tell that story? Oh, geez. Um, put you on the spot. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, I know it was in Godzilla. I don't know if it originated there. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I know it was in Godzilla, and uh, the Wilhelm scream is that ah! that you hear in almost <laughs> every movie uh, with like the choir to scream. <laughs> And it's like a calling card for like audio, like other audio engineers. Yep. Oh, okay. <laughs> and they all use the exact same one. It's in Star it, Wars like six different times. It's, it's yeah, all it's been in place. hundreds, hundreds of movies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's the same clip, and nobody knows who made that either. Yep. It's just like a really funny, iconic thing. But this has become ours. Apparently, it's in every yeah. one of our <laughs> audio dramas so far. Uh, let's see something else that I made for this. I don't know why, but we end up using uh, the sound of keys, like keys mm-hmm. jingling a lot. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's just an easy way to show movement, like while while someone's walking, because you know we can't have video, so we have to just find unique ways with audio to tell to show movement. And we had like a very limited amount of key jingling sounds, so I spent like an hour just recording key jingling, just so we can like have some more unique sounds, because uh, it gets used a lot, especially in this because because of cops. <laughs> yeah, we keep using, yep. uh, we keep having police officer characters and all of our stuff. Cops and keys. Cops and keys. Jangly bits. <laughs> God. <laughs> I, I wanted to ask all three of you guys, as as kind of like the the outsider, I, I'm actually fascinated, I, I, I would imagine uh, people listening to this might be too, of, so you guys are kind of audio media, so Chroma, Doc, and Vince, can you just talk a little bit about what your roles are and and what parts of the show each of you work on? Who wants to go first? Is Vince there? Is Vince? There? <laughs> I was waiting for somebody else's turn. No. <laughs> well, it starts with Vince. Yeah. So does. he's like the producer. He's kind of like the head honcho. He kind of runs the show. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we can all describe what the other person does. <laughs> <laughs> so Chroma uh, is our line producer. Uh, layout expert she has really really helped with this show um, and she's worked on some other stuff with us as well but for this one I don't think 
we would even be getting it done right about now, if not for her. Um, she came in and really just like blew away with these episodes. Like the, the lines were just, she laid out all of the audio so that they all match the scripts, right? Every single take found the best takes on all of these, laid them all out so that the pacing was right. That way we could just go in and add music, Foley, all that stuff. Um, and it cut the time down and by like, an immense amount. I probably did these four times faster after uh, she started doing the line layouts. Yep. And uh, Doc is our, our 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 magic our magical wizard of audio. <laughs> uh, he's. <Thank> you. <laughs> is that it? You're gonna undersell him like that? No, I'm. Let well, me, I wasn't me, even done um, with Vince's. S- Vince does so much more. Let me uh, <laughs> stumble on my words for a, for a second. Um, he. Makes he is the gatekeeper. Doc is the gatekeeper. He makes sure <laughs> that everything is perfect, and that if somebody screwed up, he will fix it. Uh, yeah, he's he he makes he's a magical person. <laughs> Excuse me. What is it? There's there's only Zul. It could be there's only Doc. <laughs> there's only the there's gatekeeper. Only Doc. Yeah. But no, Doc, uh, he creates a bunch of custom sound effects for us, obviously, but then he'll also lay them out, adjust the pacing, uh, add the Foley atmosphere, and then all of the actual effects to the tracks so that you can hear things. Um, like, we can put in a sound effect. Like, you can put in a bunch of lines with, like, you know, some chairs and things like that, and a fan, but that doesn't necessarily make it into a living room. The thing that makes it into a living room is the reverb and the IR and everything that you add as actual effects on top of these sound effects and on top of the voices so that the reverb matches for every character and it all sounds like they're in the same space even though they recorded separately. And so Doc goes in, adds all of that, matches the volumes, mixes it all together so that it sounds perfect in like an actual scene, and then he'll master it the entire episode so that you know, everything is the same volume, everything is coming out cleanly and, and pristine. So Chroma and I can do little bits of this stuff, mm-hmm. but if Doc was not a part of our team, we would not exist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It would not be as great as it is. Like, I've told Doc before that I, uh, he is my standard for audio drama, because if something is not as good as how Doc would put it together, uh, it's, it, it's crap. Mm-hmm. Man, yeah. this episode is great. I love this episode. <laughs> <laughs> How long have you guys been working with each other? Uh, it's actually been a year as of um as of the 10th of July, so a couple days from now. It was kind of like serendipitous that it happened actually. Um I had put together the first season of How I Died on my own and it sounded like crap. Uh but, you know, produced it and published it and then we kind of like generated some fans here and there uh and doc was actually one of our first fans to jump in and join our, our little discord family um and you know he just kind of fit right in and then he was like oh by the way you know i'll occasionally edit podcasts and i was like do tell <laughs> and uh it just kind of it kind of grew from there we realized that this pharmacist tech by day is actually an audio genius by night and uh we started working together on some projects and turned it into you know like chroma said this is the standard of quality for all of our stuff going forward 
And Chroma was actually in a another Discord channel called the Audio Fiction Network, which we're sort of affiliated with. And uh, we were talking in there for a little bit. She wanted to produce and, and make her own audio drama. Um, and then from there kind of joined Audio and, you know, as a fan of both How I Died and audio dramas in general. Uh, and then, you know, we all just hit it off as a team. <laughs> so it was just a natural fit, um, I think, you know, to bring her on as, as working on different pe- parts and pieces. And me and Vince are like twins. Like we're like, oh, yeah. what, like a week apart for our birthdays. Yep. And like we have the same kind of personality. <laughs> Both of our wives are teachers. Yes. Um, like there's so many weird things yeah. that were the same. And we've discovered them all over time. And then, you know, that's the joke is that Doc and I are the same person. <laughs> now we've got quite a little uh, like hodgepodge of a misfit family around here, but it's worked out. I think we work really well together, too. Yep. Crazy family. Yeah. And uh, Chroma, actually, for the Patron Saint of Suicides production, was um, a main component in recommending things to, like, flow better and things to cut out. (laughs) She was, like, the line editor. Yeah. She was the line editor, yeah. I was the complainer. Like, not that I didn't (laughs) like it. I, like, I I loved it. I wanted it to be better. So, like, I pointed out everything that was like, eh, can you get him to change this? (laughs) Yeah, so Alex, do you want to talk about that process a little bit? Yeah, I, I mean, uh, the the interesting thing for me as kind of the writer is um, I am a huge fan of audio drama and really wanted to get involved. But I'm kind of I learned over the course of season one of this of of how different a book is stylistically from writing an audio drama, and and mm-hmm. just the idea of like two pages of narrative in a book that you'd read in two minutes that could explain a lot of stuff could be 10 minutes of a horribly boring, laborious narrative that people don't want to listen to. Um, and just the, um, it feels like there's so much more of a, a, a role in pacing and kind of the, the balance of the different elements. And um, so when I remember when we were first, I tried to cut, like, my process as a writer was just, like, cutting and cutting and cutting as much as I can without doing structural damage to the story so that people would be confused if they listened to it. Um, but I remember, like, Vince, I remember when we initially talked and when we started recording, there would be, like, episodes one and two definitely have, like, a lot of monologuing. And um, I think I, I think it de- it works for, for this season, but also going forward, I'm realizing... As we get into the later episodes, like for me, episode 10 is my favorite. And part of it is just the pacing and the balance of everything just works really well. Um, and it makes me really understand how how different uh, craft writing for this medium is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, I, but Chrome, I actually like I really liked your suggestions because like as somebody who's who's pretty new to this field, like it like it sort of kept me honest of. Of like yeah, like mm-hmm. the audience doesn't necessarily need to know this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, see, I the first time I listened to an audio drama was actually when I was ten, and I used to listen to them obsessively in the car during like family road trips, and so it was it's something that I was familiar with. Uh, you have to you have to trust your audience sometimes, like give them the sound effects, but sometimes just trust them that they're gonna understand what's going on. That's a big thing, and that's one of the reasons why I. I say limit narration whenever you can for whenever you need it um and that's part of the reason why i gave so much critique about it that makes sense mm-hmm. and, you know one of the things i like about about the writing for audio drama that inspires me is like a lot of people are, are sophisticated enough to write for this medium in terms of like 
like after I think it's Life After. Um, oh yeah, does a really good job yeah. of creating these audio blind spots in a way where you you wouldn't have written it any other way for a book or for a TV show because you're taking advantage of the fact that we can't see things in, mm-hmm. in the way you're writing it. I think episode 10 like really does a good job of that. I think that the toilet scene is just like the perfect audio drama scene. So 10 is the best episode. And it was fun to put together. I was nerding out so much when I was putting that together. I was like, Doc, I cannot wait until you hear this. This is amazing. <laughs> yeah, that was a really fun episode. I, um... I remember I I had never listened to so many toilet sounds to find the right ones for those <laughs> in my life. That was really fun. You're a, you're a toilet expert now. I am. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then Fennel's actor, uh, Kyle, like he he did really well in making sure there was just enough drowning sounds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How how did he do that? I don't, I don't know. know. I'm guessing I he like. Asked him. Yeah. I mean, we we can't ask him. Um, but yeah, it was, that scene was very easy to put together because he just, he made sure there was just enough of, of everything. It was, it was phenomenal. I loved putting that together. Mm-hmm. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, that was fantastic. I think, um, I think... Chroma was actually one of the driving forces behind our change to the finale. So if you're listening to this after you've listened to the main season, there was actually a 15th episode. Mm -hmm. uh, So that we combined episode 14 and episode 15 into a single episode and reduced um, a bunch of narration and some kind of combined a few scenes uh, that way the pacing was a little bit faster. And we also wanted to end it on that, final impactful scene with Haven as opposed Mm -hmm. to ending it with Blossom. Um, Originally it would have gone, uh, you know, it would have gone Blossom section, Haven section, and then an an additional section with Blossom where he finds the cell phone or reviews the cell phone at the end. Um, And that was something that like we had talked about, I know a couple different times, Alex, we talked about like which way should it end. And I, I was like really interested to get your feedback on that. Was this the ending you had in mind? Do you think it's more impactful the other way? I, I think it, it works a lot more. And I actually like the fact that the ending on the Haven scenes, Vince, one of your um, editorial suggestions was was kind of starting with the cold open of, of Haven <clears throat> talking to who somebody who we don't know at the time. Um, but it's kind of bookends the whole season pretty nicely, having it end on that note, too. Mm-hmm. That's true. Uh, fun fact for this season is that Doc actually uh, didn't read the finale. He listened to the finale while he was putting it together. So mm-hmm. he didn't know. 
He didn't know the twist the entire time. Yep. Yeah, that blew my mind. <laughs> <laughs> and so well, we, were, we were joking about it in the beginning. I was like, you know, you've got to lay out Turo and Haven's lines on, on the phone initially. And he was like, you know, okay, whatever. Where's the scene? Blah, blah, blah. I was like, oh, don't worry about it. You'll get to it in the end. <laughs> Literally the end. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, something interesting that like, I it, it was interesting to hear as we were working on this together is that, you know, from Doc's perspective, he was working on this as it was going. So he put episode one together and then put episode two, etc. And so he was like, oh, you know, these characters are really interesting. Oh, Haven's kind of a fun character. And then midway through, he was like, I don't think I like Haven as much anymore. And then at the <laughs> finale, he was like, OK, no, I like Haven again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I want on a I want. Oh, episode 13. I was like, I hate Haven. I hate her so much. Oh my God. <laughs> I said, I believe I said, I said, I, I hope she's the bad guy so Blossom can throw her in front of a train. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was very happy at the end. I do have to say, episode 13 has my favorite line in the entire series. Oh, yeah? It's it's the it's the lady in the hospital, and she says, uh, "My mother's a witch. She enchanted my comb." <laughs> I just I love I just love that line. That's Fun funny. fact on that: so uh, a long time ago, I was actually dating somebody who was uh, in the psychiatric field, and um, I was I went into a hospital. Um, I've been into a couple wings like this. And uh, and there was somebody sitting on the floor, and that's exactly what she said to me. Oh wow! wow. She was schizophrenic, and she thought her mother had enchanted her her comb. And I thought that was a really interesting short way to see how um, you know people with schizophrenia present in all sorts of different ways. But somebody who who like has that level of delusion, but also that level of interactivity, and that like the way I, I describe it with some people, it's like it's like life is augmented reality. Like they interact with all of us the way we would normally. They just see other stuff too. Um, I, I knew there had to be a story because that was very specific. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It was really specific. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's a lot of like, you know, I'm, I'm a writer. So like I pull bits and pieces from a lot of things like the, the scene of Haven running away from a bachelorette on stage that actually like happened to a friend of mine. Who's a, who's one of the comics I interviewed <laughs> to kind of get, the background on what it would be like to actually be a live comedian and he's like yeah it was it was really weird i had to just dodge this woman the whole set <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's really funny though oh uh something else i did want to bring up um chroma the teeth oh the teeth oh or the my, tooth the, sorry the to yeah the tooth oh yeah i was like every single time that was coming up it was like why <laughs> So I, you, you kept asking, does this lead to something? You know. Yep. I was like, what What does this lead to? Please tell me it leads to something because every <laughs> single time. <laughs> All right. So this is a good example of like the difference between book writing and audio drama writing where um, <laughs> like, you know, you can go on asides like this and they're like this weird little idiosyncratic thing that gives you a different facet of the character. And in a book, it'll read OK, but there's just no room for it um, here. Yeah, like yep. like this in a way, like one of the things writing scripts has taught me is the economy of language. Mm. And if it's, if it's not pushing the story forward, it, it shouldn't be in there. Like there's no room for charming little tangents. Yeah. That makes yep. sense. Yeah. It, it kind of <laughs> takes, takes you out of the story. Another thing that I, uh, 
nitpicked, I think it was taken out, I was, uh, I said every single time, like, uh, Haven said, I think to myself. That's another thing, because, like, in, in, in written fiction, and in, in books, and novels, you know, you kind of think of it like a journal, but whenever it's, uh, an audio drama, you're thinking it like you're, you're in the character's mind. So it's like, it's weird to, for somebody to say, I think to myself whenever you're thinking that you're are already hearing their internal monologue. Right. Yeah, that's true. Unless so you're Louis Armstrong singing What a Wonderful World. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was a deep cut, Alex. <laughs> also, the song's going to be in my head for the next couple days. Well, there you so go. That's yeah. fine. <laughs> yep, I'm happy with that. I, I'm, I'm really happy we finally acquired the rights to that song for this, this show. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we can play it as our outro and then just deal with the lawsuit later. You know, the thing is, if you dropped it in after that final scene, it would kind of work in a creepy way. Yeah, it would. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Speaking of uh, creepy music, um, Doc, can you talk us a little bit through the, the music that you made for this? Sure. Um, so... Do you know the show The Killing? It's one of my favorite shows. Yeah, so I kind of I listened to that intro a lot, and I kind of wanted to have a similar vibe and kind of use kind of the similar instruments, but throw in a bunch of train sounds and just kind of get just I don't know. I was just doing my best to kind of encapsulate the feel and the vibe of the show in like twenty seconds. The intro song is one of my favorite parts. It's just yeah, it's really good. That like hit right before the the narration comes in. It just oh, it just it's so good. What, you know, one of, it's funny you bring up The Killing because The Killing has, visually, they do something that I thought about in terms of events. When, when we first talked about things like using the train noise as, as a mnemonic device throughout the, you know, as kind of like a scene wipe. Um, <laughs> but one of, the, you know, one of the shows that I, like, I really kind of studied was The Killing because they the the way visually that show um shoots a certain way to create a certain tone and feeling so you always know that like the universe you're occupying and, and what i mean for people who haven't seen the show is that the american version of that show is set in seattle and it's sort of perpetually raining on the show like the windshields are always being wiped off and there's always like rain settling on things so it's always like cloudy and wet and kind of like with a blue uh, pallor to the screen and it, um, it it like creates this visual tone for the series in the same way like the matrix has like that green sheen to everything i like i in a way i was like hoping for the train noises to kind of be that device for the audio drama um where you would like you'd always be kind of in this world that was occupied by these sounds. And too, you know, like with, with Haven and some of the other victims are always reminded of that night. The show's about a lot of stuff, but a lot I mean a lot of it is about overcoming trauma and PTSD and, and that like the fact that there's so many calls back to that events at that event. And as we as the series unfolds, you get to see basically how it how it affects so many different people. Um, mm-hmm. and so I, um, yeah, it's like, it, it's this ever present thing in this world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's something interesting with the scenes, um, the flashbacks, center, uh, essentially to the, the train shooting, um, is that in this series, when we were laying out the audio and the effects and the Foley, 
we actually did different variations of the events and the timing um, for each person that remembers or talks about the train shooting. So we've got the the initial one with Haven, and then we've got the flashback much later on where uh, she's speaking in her recorded statement to the police. And then we've also got a version when the narrator is describing Blossom as he reviews the events of the train. And each one of those actually has slightly different pacing on when things happen, where things happen, uh, like when a bullet is fired, things like that. Um, We did that as kind of like a little, sort of like a little fun thing that, you know, someone's memory of it might be a little bit different or the the way it's written down in a police report you know varies from i mean i'm i'm a huge kurosawa fan and that that was sort of that element was kind of an intentional nod to rashomon of the idea of like having a, a crime dissected by exposing different people's perspectives of that crime mm-hmm. um and you know that that comes in and the way sonically it's been treated, but also like the way Turo sees his role in the crime is so different from how, um, you know, how Haven sees what happened to her. Um, it's an interesting thing for me to, to explore and especially like to kind of bring this around to the, the world that we're occupying today. Like it's, it's interesting to see we're in the middle of a lot of cultural shift right now. And it feels like, everyone's reading the same book and taking something different away from it. Mm-hmm. We're all seeing the same things that are happening. And yet there are people that have completely different perspectives on it. The fact that, that that is such a human reaction is, is really interesting to me from production side. The fact that you're able to kind of bring another facet to that through sound, I think is like even, even more powerful. Mm-hmm. It was really interesting because it hadn't occurred to me until we were like working on it. And then, you know, we moved things around a little bit, depending on who was speaking. Episode 12 uh, with Diego um, was probably my favorite episode. And I loved the sound and the way that the the scenes differ from the rest of the, the story. Because we at- we intentionally left out a lot of things that we had added in previous scenes. There's no music in that section. Um, there's no, there's not a ton of movement or background sound. Uh, it's just like a light buzzing, and then you've got some very subtle clothing rustles as well as chair slides. And putting that scene together was a lot of fun because we delayed some of the sound effects or intentionally delayed some of the vocals so that there was just a sound. Um, based on the way that you had written it, Alex, there were things like, uh, you know, Blossom may say something to Wesley and Wesley doesn't respond right away. So we kind of left it like a pause and then we added a slight chair squeak like he was sitting backwards or something like that. And for me, for me, I think that was an impactful section because like I said, it differed from the rest of it, but also we really used silence as an advantage there, whereas there isn't much in the rest of the show. And then obviously you get to Diego's uh, death at the end of that one, and just it was Doc's call there uh, to remove the music at that part and just kind of let it fade out into silence. I really liked that. There's, I, I don't know why, and this, this, this is going to be a deep cut for a lot of people, and most people probably haven't even seen this, but um, I used to, you know, 
back a long time ago, I, I actually like watched the show 24. Uh, I don't know if you guys ever like watched that show, but oh yeah, yeah. So there's a in the third season of that show, there's a scene where uh, Kiefer Sutherland's character has to kill somebody who he works with, and he, the guy he kills is like everyone hates the guy, but it still sucks when he has to kill him. Mm-hmm. And of course, like in retrospect, it's like this is insane. This would never happen in real life. <laughs> but in the context of the show, it made total sense. Um, and I remember the, you know, 24 famously had that, you know, the the ending north sounds, the ending mnemonic sounds of that countdown. Um, and I remember that was the one episode where they didn't have it because the shock of that guy being killed at the end of that hour was so they just wanted to let that hang hang in the air for people. It kind of reminded me of that. Mm hmm. Yeah, such an impactful scene. Just Louise is just such a great actor. He just killed it. Yeah. Yeah, so incredibly good. Uh, One of my favorite little things that I actually snuck in there, I know you talked about the the scuffle sound earlier, Doc, but one of the things that I snuck in was when Haven is in her apartment, uh, I think it was episode 13, where she's listening to horror movies in the background. Yes, I (laughs) love this this, so much. This is my favorite part. I put the... um, uh, audio from a uh, Night of the Living Dead trailer as the the like background sounds, and so if you listen closely, well, you don't even really need to listen closely, but you can hear the the different sounds, and it's kind of that iconic song that dun 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 dun, and then right when that scene ends, uh, when she goes to knock on the door or look at the door, and you know thinks there's somebody out there, uh, we've got the character from Night of the Living Dead going. I think they're they're coming to get you, Barbara. I love that. <laughs> wow, that was a good impression. That was a good idea. That, that, was, that was pretty solid. Uh, I, I mean, I, I love stuff like that. I mean, you know, back when I was recording music, I would, I'd throw stuff in there just for the sheer whim of knowing that it was in there. Like, there's, there, there was a one point. I like, I have a couple albums out, and there's one where I like, I had a like. 10 people on the album and one guy was a turntablist and it was, the sound was very dense. And at one point I was like, it was a part of a song where we were like, we're throwing everything in the kitchen sink in there. And I was like, I want, I want to have a chicken in here. (laughs) And so we like, we, we went over and we like, we had to find the right chicken. And so like, I I just wanted a chicken on the song. And it's like, it's it's kind of buried below the mix, but it just like cracks me. It's the juvenile twelve year old boy in me <laughs> gets a real kick out of the fact that it's there. That's so funny. <laughs> so so I I'm a huge nerd and um I love Pokemon like a lot, <laughs> and uh, I used to make these Pokemon audio dramas, and uh, one of the scenes where there's uh, another comedian up on stage kind of talk like doing his bit is actually something i pulled from that it's a it's a pokemon guy <laughs> kind of in the background <laughs> yeah i forget i think that was episode 12 11 11 or 12 i think so um but i didn't know that you put that in there and i remember pulling up the mix to make some changes to it and then i saw this i, I like made a note and i like saw this file and it said something something pokemon conversation and i was like doc what is this <laughs> and then we played it and i was like oh Oh, I get it. <laughs> so I'm a huge music nerd. And uh, one of my favorite recording stories was um, when uh, The Who 
uh, wrote, uh, recorded the song Happy Jack. I don't know if you guys all are all familiar with the song, but it's a kind of like a classic rock song. Mm-hmm. And so um, The Who's drummer is a guy named, was a guy named Keith Moon, who's like famously this wild man. And Pete Townsend was doing his part. And Keith Moon was kind of in the mixing room, you know, behind the console. And he was just making Pete Townsend laugh. And and just like just like goofing around and um and uh, there was a point where it just was becoming disruptive and Keith Moon couldn't help himself so they basically like had him crouch below the the mixing console so that he wouldn't get in the way of Pete Townsend's recording but even with that Keith Moon kept like poking his head up like a gopher <laughs> so, just to fuck with Pete Townsend because he just couldn't help himself and at the end of the of that track. There's um, at the end of Happy Jack, you can hear Pete Townsend say in the background, "I saw you," and it's him pointing to the to the engineer <laughs> saying, "Like I, you're busted." And they kept it on the album, <laughs> and I think like stuff like that is amazing because it's just like it proves that this isn't like pristine work conditions. That this is a very human sloppy thing sometimes, and there's some of that that I just love because it makes it human that's amazing that's a hilarious story so i am i'm actually pulling up um one of the mixes right now i want to say episode one had the most sound effect tracks it, by, yes it did it, that was it by both of your recollections do you think that was the, the highest well I, I know it's that one because every time i pull up episode one like my computer is like trying so hard to keep up (laughs) (laughs) it freezes yeah it's like trying to crash because it's just such a huge project Mm -hmm. yeah i want to see how many audio tracks we have in here our record i believe was like 150 from a how i died season or episode so let's see wow it's still loading so you know it's huge (laughs) 119 wow there's 119 different tracks that make up this single episode We've gotten pretty good at consolidating tracks and not making as many as we need to. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Back when I was just learning how to do this before I realized that you could uh, do an envelope for panning, I used to put sound effects for like left, right, and center for everything. <laughs> <laughs> so like uh, Crowley in the How I Died season one had like Crowley center, Crowley left, and Crowley right, and then I would move the clips in between them as I wanted her to move. Yeah. Oh, how far we've come. <laughs> yeah. So, we've learned a lot. I think we've learned a lot from this season of this show as well. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I can tell because like you guys have evolved since like December. Mm-hmm. Crazy. Yeah. I, yeah. I went actually went back and remixed episode one. Oh really? Yeah, because my my first pass was probably probably in december or january and then i ended up redoing it several months later i think it got better oh yeah i think it sounds amazing amazing. Mm -hmm. definitely yeah that's so funny it's gonna be a weird chapter i think for all of us um when this actually goes live we've been working on this for nine months now yeah it's like a we had a little baby (laughs) (laughs) this is our baby a little baby if the baby came with uh, with trigger warnings. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's true. I think regular babies should come with trigger warnings. I was actually sitting, I was thinking the same thing. But yeah, we did it. It's uh Alex, you're the official owner of an audio drama. 
Congratulations, it's an audio yay. drama. Yay! <laughs> um, but I mean, honestly, like I getting into this. Um, I mean, for this to kind of be the first project that I've worked on is kind of amazing. And I, and I'm actually I'm really looking forward to doing a season two because I feel like I feel like in a way as a writer I kind of get it more, or at least I get the medium more. Well, we we have we have the basic story outline for season two. I don't, Vince. I don't know if you've shared that with them, but I haven't yet. No, I think I think the season two story is like it has it, it has potential. Mm-hmm. It has a lot of potential. It's like a, it's like a like the crime thriller here is like in bits throughout as this story of trauma, but it, the crime thriller is a huge focus in season two. I'm glad. I'm looking forward to it. Can I uh can I take a guess? Let's see. I think that season two will start with the train just it just misses Turo. Oh god. And, <laughs> <laughs> and oh. it just I hope so. Okay, I'm I, mean, done. I, I hate to I hate to spoil it, but this is a bonus episode, so I should just say Turo is the Mandalorian. Oh my I gosh. I know, I know. How good is that gonna be? <laughs> Alex, I think if you propose that in uh your outline for season two, I would have been like, Well, season one was great. Uh let's just part ways from there. <laughs> you see, this is why this is why I'm not a writer. <laughs> you know, I'm I'm the kind of person that sits in a dark room and mixes all day. <laughs> no, I, I actually I really I really wanted to do this episode with you guys because I you know, like the cast gets so much visibility for all these things. And like, I really feel like the work that you guys did really helped make this season sing. Um, so like seeing what scenes really pop in this season makes me really appreciate what we could do for season two. Especially after uh, we let Doc nap for a couple of weeks. I don't know. <laughs> Especially after uh, we let Doc nap for a couple of weeks. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, 
wherever podcasts are available.